0: So Terry. We just want to honour you and say that you are very welcome to come and bring the water garden to this house. We love you, brother, so come and feed us. Uh, I'm sweating bullets. I know, yeah. uh, where's Wally? <laughs> the only thing cleaning you got. There he is. He's the he we get there. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. It's good to be here. Hands up here, to whoever who, who has never heard me speak in the house. Put your hands up. <laughs> Have your congregation be gone next week. <laughs> Say, what was all that, do? Amen. The Lord is good. You get more nervous. This is me home, church. You get more nervous. You get more nervous going back home, don't you? I've yeah. preached in three continents. Um, me name's Terry Munley. I got saved in Dalton's Barn Flats. Um, I lived with Noel and Sharon for about two years in the flat. I said I'd stay for a while. stay for two years. <laughs> ended up with a flat in, the, in, in Dalton's Barn then. I was trying to get my life together. I was on the run. I was in trouble. Um, Psalm 116 says I love the Lord for he heard my voice he heard my cry for mercy because I turned my ear to him I shall call upon him as long as I live the sword of death entangled me the witness of the grave came upon me I was overcome by trouble and sorrow and I called upon the name of the Lord and he rescued me that's me testimony that's the bit of the scripture that just always stood with me from Finglas and from the north side of Dublin the holy side <laughs> um, I lived in one of the poorest neighbourhoods in a place called, you might never heard of a quiet place called Finglas. I, I grew up there, got dragged up. Two of my brothers died when I was very young. My father turned to alcohol I was seven years old, and I never seen my dad after I was at the age of seven. He died when I was in my 20s. Um, didn't do great in school, you know. I used to go playing and hide and seek with the Gardee and <laughs> things like that as I was growing up, you know. But um, my dad, well, my dad was there, he never paid the bills. He was mad giving money to go down and pay the bills. He wouldn't pay the electricity, you know, and you'd be wanting around to like, in the gaff, you'd have to go and gamble in it, you know, because when David and Alan do it, and I don't blame you that. Alcohol, of course, you know what I mean. Like, even in scriptures, it says have it in moderation, have a bit of cop on, don't let something control your life, you know. You don't live from the inside of a, a bottle, you know what I mean? That's the reality. Get that right in your life. But I remember the situation with me dad, and not paying bills, and you be in your house and you turn on, you turn on the light, the light would not come on. Say, "James, what's the bloody bulb?" And your, your dad say "The bulb's gone." <laughs> and you go in the next room, turn on the light. And the boob begun in there as well. <laughs> then the telly was broken downstairs. Then you found out that your dad didn't pay the electricity bill. He went gambling the money, you know. And um, we grew up in poverty, you know. You used to... We'd have no clothes. You'd go into your neighbour's backyard and, and rub the clothes out the line. And you're going around, you're a man. You know you'd support that one week. <laughs> next week, depending on what was on the line, you'd have on. You know what I mean? Remember what? We're with a pair of tights on. <laughs> you know? But um, some people really... Some people really, John. You know, some people really sorted me life out, you know, and helped me get back on track. I, I went to school and didn't do too well in school, I was, I was dyslexic, and um, ended up in a school, and you know the way they have A, this way they had classes back then, A, B, C, D, I was in D2, so it was, you know what I mean, we were, we were the low of the low, you know what I mean, and I remember being in school and things going on in me life, and, I uh, had a disagreement with a teacher during the summer, just after doing, it, was, it, it wasn't the junior set back then, it was the inter-set, wasn't it? I did my inter-set and all that, and I was supposed to go back to school, and I sold all my books during the summer t- to buy a two litre of cider. So no books going back to school, and I got kicked out of school in the end, I had a disagreement with a teacher. And we ended up in Anko. You know what Anko was? It was fast years ago. Some of the older people in the, in the, in the, in the service will know what Anko was, you know, and I was doing an apprenticeship as a carpenter at the age of 15, and then... Um, the first thing they did was sent us up to Glass Nevin Cemetery. And, you know, to get on the course, you had to go pointing the walls. So you're cleaning out all the joints of the walls and re cementing the walls and all this. And they weren't paying any money, Anko, back then. So you were doing crazy things. I wasn't a Christian back then, right? So there could be, there could be, a, could be someone out getting buried, but there was fresh flowers. And you know, having the flowers then, you'd be over at the lights selling flowers to try and make a few. Qu- Some of the things you did was, was crazy, you know, but I was doing, an, uh, uh, you know, I had a failing in school because I was a complainer, not a completer. Got on an apprenticeship, I got kicked of my apprenticeship for having a disagreement with someone in college because I was a complainer, not a completer. Didn't complete that. I was in trouble in Ireland, there was a few people after me for um, something happened. Because <laughs> there's a guard in the room, I better not say too much. <laughs> And there was a couple, of, a, couple of, a couple of million quid went missing in a big, big robbery. I know you knew people were involved. And people thought people were people out. You know, back then, rats get tats and all this sort of stuff was going around, you know. If you hear from you know, and I'm speaking too fast, get the podcast played slowly. <laughs> but anyway, the crack was that I, was on, I had to leave the country. So I went to France and joined the French Foreign Legion. And I uh, became a soldier in France. I was in the Foreign Legion for... It's a five-year contract. I left after three. I got put in military prison in France because of the disagreement. <laughs> I was a complainer, not a completer. So uh, I went around things the hard way. We ended up back in Ireland. I was still on the run, a bit in trouble here. And Noel Kenny, I met Noel Kenny. True, someone told me in a chipper that Jesus loves you. I thought he was supposed to say something, there or something. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> Brought me down to a prayer meeting down in Dalton's Barn. and I says, no one goes into Dalton's Barn. <laughs> <laughs> the taxi driver's down in, there's a prayer meeting and I says you're a wobbler but well, he had convinced me to go down to this this flat and I went down to a flat in Dolphins Barn there's about 30 people in a room little room you know the flats down there and not only that I in the fire so sweating bullets I was in the room and I says oh, will you close your eyes I'm just going to pray with you and I says this no one closes don't close your eyes in Dolphins Barn says close your eyes he says I'm going to pray with you I say no, I'll me my eyes I'll have my clothes be gone or something <laughs> be duct taped to a pole and I just I close my eyes and I was nothing to lose. He just put his hand on my head and start praying over my life and I I repeat the prayer to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Saviour and says, Lord I've, I've nothing, to not lose. I'm not worthy of nothing. But I'll give me nothingness to you and God sees potential in your nothingness. And I had an encounter with God, I couldn't stop crying. I was telling everyone I had high fever. <laughs> I'd be driving around. I was on a motorbike back then. I was driving around on a motorbike. I'd stop her set a traffic lights and I'd be looking in the bus driver beside me, and I'd be crying. Just I couldn't stop crying for months. I got things sorted out with, with, with criminality and a few things sorted out from my past. And God had a plan for my life. Sent me to Africa. I was a missionary in Africa for seven years. And then um, met my me wife over there. As, as and I was saying, my wife's black. We have two milk chocolate children and down the back. I'm blessed, you know. I'm actually a teacher now I walk in Clogger Road in, in St. Kevin's College. Everyone calls me 30. They don't call me sore. They just call me 30. That's the way I function up there because the, the, my job is... Um, my job is a duty of care. You know, my mom's so embarrassed i a teacher. She tells everything on my drug dealer, like, you know, but... <laughs> I have two, two messages, of one for this morning, one for tonight, and I really felt to flip them. So I'm going to speak something else tonight when I'm over in Clondalkin. But um, it's a privilege to be here. This is my home church. I got saved in this neighbourhood. The youth clubs in this neighbourhood put money together for of me. They probably wanted to get me out of the country, you know what I mean? But helped me when I was in Africa and different things. And God's been so faithful in my life. Amen. Uh, I had a word just earlier on. If, if someone is in a situation of difficulty, I just really feel someone in the congregation that the Lord's saying to burn a bridge. Are we alive? And what it means, I think, what it means is you keep going back to something. The Lord's telling you to burn the bridge, burn the bridge, burn the bridge. So I don't know who it's for. God is telling you this morning, burn the bridge, right? So stay where you're at. Don't keep going back across the bridge into your past or whatever is going on. I don't want to say any more. Let Him walk it out through the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. 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 The crowd is the the, the title this morning. I'll get through this as quick as I can, right? We're talking about going through the Last Supper and things that were going on. Seeing the Last Supper. When Jesus, he sits down throughout the Last Supper. And you have to remember, there's 12 guys around him, you know. And Jesus knows he's going to be betrayed by one of the people that's in there with the Last Supper. It's crazy. One of the guys that was going to betray him, sat with him. Jesus knew he would betray him. And he's sitting there having a meal with him. And it's, it's a crazy scenario, you know. Because we don't do that in the flesh, do we? You know, someone's there that's a bogey. You don't let him in your house. You know what I mean? the Supper will be spitting on it. That's how you would feel, isn't it? But it shows how the grace of God is amazing. So, even during the Last Supper, when all this is going on, Jesus ends up taking off his outer garment, man, and, 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 and washes the disciples' feet. Even the guy that betrayed him, it's mad, isn't it? It's a hard scenario to take on board, you know what I mean? But the way it goes through it in Luke 22, he starts to reveal, the Lord starts to reveal some of the stuff that's going on. And from 7 to 33 is in the Last Supper. I'll read it out as quick as I can. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go make preparation for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the great room? or the guest room, the guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large upper room. Hey, we're in an upper room this morning. It's large, isn't it? Praise the Lord, man. All furnished. Make preparations there. Right? So he prophesies something that's going to happen to the lads. You're going to go down there. You're going to meet someone. This is the way it's all going to pan out. You know, he had it all sussed. He had it all worked out, the Lord, man. You know, he has your life walked out this morning. And some of us don't even realize that. It's worked out. You know? So, so all you have to do is the bridge is born today, guys. Don't go back right because it's going to take longer to get into the blessing. Amen. Amen. They left and found things just as Jesus has told them. When you leave here, I hope things over your life, you leave here and you find them just as the Lord has promised you. Amen. Over your life. Take a hold of the promise. When you leave here today, let things start to unfold that they go happen in your life. Amen. 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 So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, right, this is mad, right? When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, right? And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover to you because I suffer. And I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After they'd taken the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes, Right? And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body, right, given for you. He gives it for us. Amen. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the, the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me, even starts talking about being betrayed, is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go... Will go as it has been dec- decreed. But woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. So he's taught them having the supper and all of a sudden here one is he gonna betray me. And then all of a sudden all oh, the lads bet it's him, better they took me see. You see them back there, they're the bogey, Ah, oh, you can tell, the smell off their bread, all this starts going on. It's the way we walk out things and start panning out on people, isn't it? Someone's bogey. Someone's not right, something's not right with someone, someone. We all start pointing fingers, don't we? Yeah, you know, I bet you it's that person. And I bet you it's that person. And betrayal's a terrible thing. And you know, sometimes when you're betrayed, in the room, who's, who, who's being betrayed in the room? Sometimes we live in the betrayal, don't we? Yeah. Born the bridge today. You know what's holding you back your future? The betrayal, living in the betrayal. No. Why forgive me, Outlet. Why forgive me, that. What do? He left... I'm a dad now. I'm married 20 years this year to a woman from another culture, different colour to me. But people say to me, it's not going to work out, she's black. Is she black? That was my response. Are you serious? I'm blind. <laughs> I remember ringing me ma. I was in that. We got married in Togo, West Africa. I we didn't get married in Ireland. I got married in, you know, because they wouldn't do a wedding for me here. But 1,200 people showed up at me wedding. I had to feed them all. That's where it is over there. Me, me, me wife... My wife's dad is a minister. So he had a church of 3,000 people. He was a big man over there and he accepted a guy from Finglas that got saved in Dalton's barn that covered in tattoos and got sent on a plane over with no money to be a missionary in Africa. Walk her out. But you know what? He saw something in me that's called the Lord. And he saw something in me that, yeah, I still had a load of, a load of stuff to sort out in my life, but he knew I had potential to make it. Because you have to get back to the place, I said earlier, of nothingness to realize that potential. Because God sees potential in your nothingness. It's amazing, isn't it? The lads all start man, pointing fingers and disputing about things. You know what I mean? I'll come down to the bit that I'm just coming on to with this, right? Because I want to get through a bit. Verse 31. This is the way Jesus goes on at the end, right? The lads went from talking about pointing fingers. Jesus is going to leave us. Who's the betrayer. Then the next statement they start going on is, when he's gone, which one of us will lead? Who's the greatest? That's in the same conversation going on. You know what I mean? Imagine you sitting there with your kids. I'm, I think I'm doing it. yeah. Who gets the gaff? That's what your kids would be saying. That's the story. Who's he going to leave the kids to? I want the car. I think he's a few gold teeth. I'm going in after them. If they don't come, if they're not giving before, he's buried, then going down there with a shovel. But that's the way they started thinking, isn't it? they wanted to be the greatest then the leader I'm the one I'm the one no I'm the one I'm the one let the Lord say you're the one stop saying I'm the one about your own life you fall into a situation oh, I'm not called to be a teacher I never thought that of my life that was me I'm not the Lord had you called to be a teacher teacher are you joking I was allergic to teachers in school you know what I mean I'd break out in detention or something you know what I'm saying Verse 31, then look at, he puts it back. You remember Peter earlier, the rock? The rock, what a name. Then he starts, Jesus starts calling him Simon again. Because the rock was flaky at the time. Wasn't it? Then he goes, this is what he says, and look at verse 41. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as we. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, so know, he knows he's saying to him, you're going to make a mistake when you torn back, but then he gives him a way out. God gives you a way out, guys. See me, I am not perfect. Anyone that, that knows me in this building knows, I'm I start up in Dundalk for my sins, right? Because I live outside of Dublin. Since I got extra, Now, No, but... <laughs> I keep looking at you, like a guard. I'm feeling different, I know you years, David, I know you, your family, years. And all of a sudden, there's a guard looking at me. And then you're very careful what you That's the sound of the police. Woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> that is the hard man. <laughs> when you've turned back, this is what he says, look and this is the bit that we have to concentrate on. He says, when you're turned back, strengthen your brothers. See them three words, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your sisters. You now we're, we're meant to do? Strengthen, brothers and sisters. I wouldn't have made it because... I'm different, I'm not your regular minister, <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> I'll tell you a, a quick story, right, strengthen means to make stronger, right, build up, reinforce, nourish, toughen, fortify, to bolster, you know when you have your wallets in your pocket, it's rubbing off your legs, so I better take it in, look around, I said, that's not coming in my pocket. <laughs> It's going to put it up there and then it says, whoo, whoo. Go, go, got your hands in the building. Woo! Just messing. It's great, to, it's great to laugh, isn't it? Yeah. To joy the Lord is your strength, guys. You know? We went to Africa as a carpenter. I preached all over this place just giving testimonies in Ireland because I wasn't really a minister properly, you know what I mean? I went to a Bible college over there for, for two years. I was in the college learning <laughs> theology and training where everyone from West and Central Africa was in the college. They were all pastors, big fish. I wasn't even in the pond. But I had people, I was the only white person to go through that college. So there was a reverse racism thing probably going on in people's heads. You know the way we are over here, man, that has to change. You know what I mean? Everyone's the same. If someone's in this country, man, to bring something good to this country, they're in the country, let's bring something good to them that they're in the country to bring something good to the country and bless their lives. Because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord, you know what I mean? (coughs) People in Africa got me through college. I had no money, I had nothing. You know what I mean? First weekend I was there, vehicle was robbed. Most years now, I got held at gunpoint. There was nearly a kidnapping. I got battered, saved the bloke's life, but I got the, the life kicked out of me. Ended up coming out of the toilet for about three days. The guy said saved. He'd have to go, and there was a jeep stolen. An American missionary's jeep worth a lot of money. One of the guys got killed. He got shot. Another guy got away. Um, the pastor of the church came out. They told us all to get on the ground. Everyone got on the ground. Then the guy with him tells me to get back up. So he gets back up. And then the other guy tells me to get back on the ground. But he had the machine gun, so I said, I'll get on the ground listening to him. Not listening to that. i double look. The man started, he took the belt off my trousers, took my shoes, he started taking everything off me, took my camera, took the chain I had on my neck, started going through my pockets. He kept telling me, get up, and I was get up, get down, get up, get down, it was Lanigan's ball. I stepped out, I stepped in again. <laughs> Mad, but I decided to stay in Africa. The other guy I was with, the missionary, never got over it. That was my first weekend, I'm saying, what am I doing in this place? Do you know what I mean? It's 35 degrees and it's the winter. They have mosquitoes which like Irish beef. Or they bite lumps out of me. <laughs> within, within a year, I had people there that were missionaries saying, Terry Mulder shouldn't be in the college. He's not from Africa. This is an African college. These were people from America. said, so he shouldn't be here. He's, he's only a camp. He's, you know, don't even know if he'll get through the college. Because everything was in French. I'm dyslexic. You know what I, mean? I learned French in the foreign legion, I didn't learn je m'appelle, I learned how to take a gun apart. You know what I mean? And, but God had a plan for my life, and all of a sudden, one of the main people in the college had a big, huge church there. He was from Burkina Faso, missionary, says, eh, what's the problem? And they says, he's, he's, not, he's not a pastor, this is for training pastors. And he says, okay, that's Sunday, Invite me to his church, made me a pastor in his church. Church 3,000 people. I was the smallest of the pastors. It was, he'd go up and sit on the, on, on, on the pulpit and they'd be going through all these holy men, and they'd be me in the corner. <laughs> but he had, he, he, had, um, he had something called grace, and he, he, thought, he didn't just talk to talk, he followed through on it and it made me a, a pastor in his, his congregation, you know, and believed in me and got me to do meetings and helped raise me up as somebody. And then when I was Found out there was, a, there was a, a girl in love with me over there. She kept chasing me around. <laughs> she's not here this morning. <laughs> and it was his daughter. I married his daughter. And I remember people saying, You can't marry her. She, she's black, you're white, you're from two different cultures. This isn't going to work out. That's, that's 20 years ago. I'm still married to a great wife, two great kids. But some of the people that said that all my life weren't Christians, but they were functioning as missionaries. Because, you know what, if you're a Christian, you can't function like that. Maybe they are Christians. I shouldn't say that. That's deep, shouldn't I? See the call of God in your life. We interfere with it because we don't see the potential he sees in us. Because there's a crowd you have to get through to, to, to fulfill your potential. And, and the biggest problem some of us have is we listen to else, someone else's, okay? This is scary, isn't it, man? Really, you have to reveal yourself in church, don't you? Be? Someone else will have an idea of what your life should be and they'll, they'll be around you and they'll talk about that, your life and you actually start to interfere with who you should be in you, in your life with the call of God it? and settle for second best by someone else's opinion in your life if I went away everyone else's opinion, I should be dead I was stabbed to my wrist, I nearly died in France when I was in the army came back and in the flat in some places you know The back of beyond of Dalton's barn, something happened. And the Lord impacts you and says, there's a call of God in your life. And then, you know what, I didn't start seeking it all out. I fell into circumstance. Things just seemed to happen. I fell into circumstance after circumstance. Even the job I'm in now, I didn't go really looking for that job. The job came looking for me. I remember being told you going to tell. had the dream! Someone else had the exact same dream as me. Came to me. I had this mad dream. Couldn't get out of my head. I was on a roof. The sun was shining. Sand everywhere. I was fixing this roof, and it was just so sunny. I said, "That's a mad dream. Couldn't get out of my head." Do you know, one of them dreams. Then this guy comes up and he says, "I had a dream about you the other night. You were on a roof. The sun was shining. There was sand everywhere." I said, "Were you in my room?" <laughs> <laughs> you know the way you put your guard up. He says, "No, you were in Africa." All of a sudden, the missionary came over. During the same week, says, uh, I'm bringing the team of Americans to Africa. We're doing some work on some buildings. And I just knew I was meant to be on that team. I went up and threatened the bloke. No, I didn't. I went up and says, can I go on that team? The man says, you can come if you raise such and such an amount of money. I forgot the bit about money. I says, what? What? <laughs> Lord! Got the money, went. Stayed was there for three weeks. I was in Togo. I was on a roof, fixing the roof. The sun was shining and the sand was blowing everywhere. It was a fulfillment of my dream. It was the weirdest thing ever. And you know, you can say that to people, and people say, that's a strange way. will you? Same person, go do and get that palm red. You know what I mean? want to get you that palm red. want to get your palm red, get some paint, will you? Same, same, the same person will say to you, here's a lucky stone, rub it. And, and the problem with me having a dream, that fulfills I what you get from Ruben that stone I gave you? Welts. <laughs> Jesus, the Lord is good, isn't he? Yeah. The Lord is good. Yeah. When I was there, some guy that was there in college, I didn't fix that roof. The roof I you actually doing was my father-in-law's now, was the roof of the mission house he was in. But, well, it, there was a guy from America there, he says, I'm going to pay for you to go to college. He says, mm, I really feel the Lord has told me to do this for you. I said, I'm going to America to college. He says, No, in Africa. (laughs) Say what? Super size me, man. (laughs) Ended up in Africa for two years in that college. Got a burden for the people called the Fulanis and the Tuaregs. They're nomadic people, they're Muslims. And um, ended up staying there for seven years. Got married over there. Planted a church. 80 Muslims converted. Gave the light of Jesus Christ. And uh, that's That's why I'm not your normal minister. Because God has something for everyone in the congregation <laughs> that everyone else might seem out of the loop, but for you, you're in that loop. Find out where you fit in. I, I walk with people, I go to places, I end up in circumstances that is not your norm. You know, because I'm accepted in by the dirty dozen, or the misfit and all these other places, they'll accept me in. Now, if I go to a, a, a meeting with a lot of business people, they wouldn't accept me in. But I know that. So does he, the one and only, the King of Glory. And he, he ordains you to go into them strangest of them, hardest of places. And something about you, that's what people say. There's something about him. Then the Lord, as you rub off on them, the Lord keeps rubbing off on them. And all of a sudden they say, I want what you have. Because they never deny me faith. Everyone in my school knows I have faith. I believe in the Lord. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for God in my life. It's a miracle, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. There was a woman bleeding in Scripture, as you know, in Luke. She's gone through 12 years of hostility. Tried everything now. wasn't working for her. And Jesus is on his way down to a bloke called... This is a mad story. When you actually step back and look at the whole picture, right? Jesus is on his way down to a bloke called Jairus' house. Jairus was the leader of a synagogue. He was a big fish. His daughter was dying. So he goes and pleads with Jesus because he heard Jesus had something about him. So he goes, Jesus, will you come down to the house? See me daughter, I need you, man. Pray for her, bring her back to life. Jesus agrees. Wow, imagine the feeling. Your kid, I have two kids. You know when your kid is sick, something's going on with your kid and you can't, you can't do anything about it. You want to take the pain from your kid. Now sometimes you want to put your kid in pain. Sometimes you want to take the pain from your kids, you know. Me, me two lads down there in the back like that. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> So he's on his way down. He says, gets Jesus. Come on, let's go. Jesus is on the way down. Crowd is all getting around Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus feels something's ever happening. Everyone's had to be rubbing up and all this. But that woman got through the crowd, and she just gets to in the garment. And something happened. And he stops the whole crowd and says, what's the story? Someone's after touching off me, man. Loads of people touched off you. She goes, yeah, but It's different. Some people have sucked the life out of you, won't they? <laughs> she was trying to suck the life out of Jesus in a sense to change something in her life. That's how much faith that woman had. And Jesus knew it. He stops, has a chat with that woman. She admits it. It was me. It was me Lord. It was me. He sees a broken woman. says your faith has healed you. Because you know what? She broke through the crowd. Because some of us are caught up with everything around us and we're surrounded by a crowd and we have pain and problem and difficulty and situation. I and mean, we you know what we do, stay in the crowd. You know what I was meant to do? Get through your crowd. Amen. Touch out the garment. Amen. Suck the life into you from the king, the one and only the healer. Jehovah, the one and only, the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. Guys, I just say one thing over you all this morning. Don't live in the Omega. That's the finish. You're supposed to live in the alpha part because it's still going on. We're in the beginning. Yeah. Some of us in church oh, oh, know the Lord and they stay in the omega part. Get out of the omega. The omega is when you die and go on to be with the king. That's the finished in this world. But at the moment, you're still in the beginning. You believe for great things. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing, isn't he? Yeah. She gets through the crowd, gets our blessing. Get through the crowd this morning. Imagine Jarius. Do you trying to go down one? Get your, your, your daughter sorted. What happens? Jesus gets sidetracked. So and you're saying, will you hurry up? Where's my blessing for my kid? Will you snap it? See a woman over there. That's the way it you figures your kid, isn't it? say, say, Jairus was angry. What's going on? Then all of a sudden, someone shows up and says to Jairus, your daughter's dead and he's looking at the one that could change it all that's after getting sidetracked and stopping. And the anger go through when you can't do anything. A few years ago, it's good. a few years ago now, I had a bit of a phobia for a with water. Now, we could I have a shower. <laughs> I was, off the co- I was off the coast of Marseille, and I got stabbed through my wrist. I fell off a boat. We were stopping big boats coming in from North Africa. Boats were coming into the south of France, and there was drugs on them. And uh, I was in the army, so you'd have to grant these boats, and things would happen. And uh, I got stabbed through my wrist. So I've never really, I've, I've really testified some of this, you know, that often. And I fell off a boat into it, into the sea. I nearly drowned. A bloke that I didn't like from England. Saved me life, put me back onto the boat. I lost a lot of blood. And I had a phobia about water, then I wouldn't go swimming even, you know. Really found it difficult. But God had to plant me life. See, when I was coming back, I already had an encounter with God before he even gave me life to the Lord, because I should have died. And it was mad when I was going back into to, Marseille, and people said he's lost too much blood, and I was kept going in and out. and It was like the boat was floating across the water, and, but I was at peace, but I was, I was a bit gone in the head. God sustained me, kept me alive. He had to plant me. I had a phobia. And then years later, I was up in Baileybury, right up in Cavan. And there was about 14 students. I had to bring these out because I speak French. I was teaching English. So if you meet any French people, they say, how's it going, bud? You know. You know they did English lessons with me. You know, I started. Sorry. What's the crack. Get the bow. You know. What you mean, what you mean? That's what they all say in school, isn't it? What you mean, what you mean? So I was bringing these students for a walk around the lake. We're at the lake, with me, hopefully. Sean with me, he was only about six at the time, I'd say. So we had to go down and tell them a bit of history. You'd make her up, you know what I mean? Because everyone's susceptible, isn't it? You'd say, see that tree over there? St. Patrick had a meal under there. Maybe Maybe I'll take pictures of a tree. You know? You'd go down to the lake. And I remember talking to one of their leaders at the lake and uh, all of a sudden I heard a big splash. Me son had walked all the way down the pier. He was looking over into the water and went straight over into the, the lake from the pier and got swept under the pier and he was drowning. So I left him. No, I didn't, shout. <laughs> So we heard the splash and then I realised Sean wasn't there. And uh, phobia is phobia. But see when it's your own, phobia goes out the window. So I was looking then, and everything goes in slow motion. And I was looking at all these French there, man, eating their lunch, looking at me kids drowning. <laughs> right? Because everyone kind of went into shock. So I just laid down, knocked everything down my way down that pier and I dived in the water and I was pulling Sean, I really want to apologize now because I was probably smashing his head out. The yell trying to get me from underneath it. So I was in the water as manky. I remember getting my own flat out and I handed him up and then um, someone pulled him out and you see when I got my own flat out, I realized what I had to do. On. And I was, I was trying to climb back up onto the pier myself, all the energy went out of me all of a sudden. It took me ages to get out. Me phone was still working. had one of them old Nokia's. You know them... Every drug dealer in Ireland had one. <laughs> I rang me missus. I rang Sylvia and says, Sean's just after getting wet. Will you bring down a change of clothes and the towel for Sean and you need to get down quick because I don't want to get sick. So we'd have to strip him off. He's in his underpants in the car park." <laughs> you know got him dried Sylvie came down got him changed put him in the car and then I realised they never said anything about me forgot about me one day I you know like a wet squid <laughs> had to walk had to bring all these French back to a school six kilometres away My clothes had the builders like builders trousers on you know them ones <laughs> down about here got back and uh, it broke a phobia in me life because, you know what, Cause you, go, you, go, you have to go to the extra when you can get to impact people around you. Some of us are meant to say to people, get through your crowd. And some of us are meant, get through the crowd for the people. Some people in this building are called to help people through the crowd. You have to drag people through the crowd. I saved my kids' life. Put them in swimming lessons after that. <laughs> but I broke a phobia in my own life. Because when it's your own, you'll do anything you can to save your own. That woman would do anything she could to save her own. Jarius wanted his own daughter saved. Jesus still went and saved the daughter. Right? Because you know what? Sometimes we're waiting for something to happen for us and we're looking at something happening great for someone else. They say, Jesus, you're getting sidetracked. Jesus doesn't do sidetracked, he shows up when the time is right for you. Isn't he amazing? Jesus isn't sidetracked so over your life today. You know? In my school some of the kids call me dad. That's Teddy. Teddy's the one and only, you know, Uncle Teddy, this, that, and the because some of them are related to some of the people through even the church. And they know that I can give out, stink. Say so you get your act together. You got to kick in the gig ball. <laughs> other teachers won't get away with any of that. Because I'm not your regular teacher. And it's a privilege to be in position because God opens doors, puts you into a privileged position. Yeah. David. David David. And you know what you have to do, with everything else around that person. Be the right crowd. Quick story. <clears throat> a guy called Roger Miller played for Cameroon. He was twice voted the greatest player in Africa, won the award two times Roger Miller. I remember watching Italia 90 or something, you know. I was about three at the time. <laughs> I remember watching that and he scored a couple of goals. He was over celebrating or the flag and all this, doing all this, right? What a player. Unbelievable. Oh, everyone in Africa knew about an Amazing. Roger Miller. Cameroon. Wow, what a player. 38 scored these goals. Mad for that age, you know what I mean? And I remember hearing the story about this guy. His son was mad, mad about Raja Miller, this young lady. It was his birthday was coming up. The son's birthday was coming up. Son was mad about Raja Miller. So what did he do? The dad, this in Cameroon, hadn't got the money. Went and got extra work. Did everything he could to make a memory with his kid. So what did he do? He went and bought two tickets to bring his son to see Cameroon play in a qualification match in Cameroon. He went for... Tooth and nail to get the kid the memory by buying the ticket. Or a dad. Gets him the ticket. See seeing, seeing. Africa when you, you, you go to a football match. A stadium will hold 30000 But I don't know about over there, some of the guys in charge don't do maths or something, because 60000 will be at that match. Do you know what I mean? This is what they say, if you can sell the ticket, sell the ticket. All the tickets are gone. Let's make more tickets. And they keep selling the ticket, keep selling the ticket, keep selling the ticket. So about 60,000 turns up for the match that he's going to with the son. So imagine he's overwhelmed, he gets to the stadium, he's overwhelmed with his kid. Gets into the stadium, right, 60,000. You know what he did? He dragged his young all the way through the crowd and got him to the front, front row C to see the match, Roger Miller. Match starts, the kid is overwhelmed with the match, loving it. What a match, what a game of football, getting to see your idol. They win the match, Roger Millar scores. The dad's celebrating with the son. The whistle goes at the end, and this is the way they celebrate in Africa. They start taking their clothes off some of the players and giving them out to people in the crowd. Takes off his jersey, Roger Millar gives it to someone. Start getting closer. See a man with his son, Ah, oh. <laughs> He's getting closer, he's, the jersey's off. All of a sudden, the shorts come down. Shorts are off to someone else he's wanting down his underpants. Ah, oh, football boot. what's that? He's getting closer. Other football boot. what's that? Ah, oh. Gets over to the son and the dad takes off his socks. Gave that kid a pair of the football socks. Kid's balling. The dad's just bawling because it's his kid, isn't it? My, My dad never bought a ticket for me. I never got to go to a stadium with me dad. Never had him drag me through a, a crowd to get me a front row seat for me life. If, you, if you're a single parent here this morning, if you're a parent, memories are amazing. They're important. Maybe you have to go queue to get your hands on your kid to give them that memory of doing something and dragging them through a crowd. Some of us need someone to drag us through the crowd to get that amazing contact situation to happen. Sometimes your kid will deny you that much, you don't want to drag them through the crowd. They'll forget about that part, but they'll always remember if you leave a memory. Jesus bought a ticket over your life. Your name's on the ticket. And see, you can sit there with the ticket, you'll still get to the kingdom. But see, once you get the ticket, you have to find out where's your stadium. And all, everything that goes against you and your kids in your life is going to be like a crowd stopping you from fulfilling your potential. And you need to get around someone that's going to drag you through that crowd people around me drag me through crowds people don't even realise you know Brian love you bits help me through a few crowds No Kenny John Jim crowds when I was depressed Daniel I'm a minister over 20 years I still have dark days still have things go on in your head when someone makes a statement and you still have to walk it all out because not, you're, not, you're not perfect I'm not perfect you know I might look perfect But people sometimes just do something in your life. To, and that's why people, they're usually around, you know they appreciate you because they see potential in your nothingness. Leave the memory with the kid. Drag your kid through the ground. Someone's around you and they you know, don't get in the pit with someone and start wallpapering. Get them out of the pit. The kid... Put the socks on every time he played football. Wouldn't let them wash the socks because Roger Miller's sweat was in the socks. Socks were up to here. Wore them socks in bed. Is that knew he did the right thing, innit? Kid, Kid got an opportunity to go to a football team. He ended up signing a contract with Barcelona. And Chelsea did a double portion. He won the African Player of the Year four times, twice the amount as Roger Miller. (coughs) He was interviewed and talked about it. He says, uh, it wasn't the socks. Maybe the socks, maybe you need the pair of socks spiritually today over your life to just keep you going, something to just hold on to. After a while, let go of the socks. (laughs) it wasn't the socks he had potential It's something about him but the socks gave him the belief that there was something about him I hope everyone here that's probably feeling a bit negative in their life or not worthy or rejected or broken today I pray spiritual socks over your life to get you through this situation don't take them off but at some stage they're going to fall off your life because when you play for someone else, when you play for another team, you can't wear them green socks at Cameroon when you're playing for Barcelona, can you? He went on to be the greatest footballer Africa's ever produced. But I always look back at the da and say, that da. Pull the kid. seeing the kid's dream. gave up all he did financially to get, get him that ticket and brought him through his crowd now the dad gets to, to glow in, in the loveliness of seeing the joy in the kid and he gets to glow more when he sees the kid 20 years later being voted player of Africa because they're all stemmed from the time with the father and how much time the father had for the kid. Oh, forgive me that. I want to be the best that I can for my kids. Sometimes that means you have to be hard because you're not called to be the friend, you're, you're the parent. And sometimes you have to be the friend. Jesus has paid for your ticket today. You know, we're, we're called to do it as a church drag everyone around you through the crowd and put the person beside you. Just look at the person beside you now. It doesn't matter who it is. Both sides. Look beside you. Look behind you. I don't care if you know the person or not. But you know what you need to have hope for? That that person beside you gets a front row seat to the blessing and the beginning of their next stage of the rest of their life. Because because everyone in the room is worried that I'm I'm 50 in a few months. But we want to do as much from being 50 on as I have from 50 before. I want to live in in the next next chapter. And and, and it doesn't matter where you're at or what you've gone through, Philip, whatever's gone on in your life, you have to take a hold of that and say, This is the beginning. Stay and put my socks on. Today I'm getting through the crowd. Today I want to I experience the great glory that he has for me. Amen? Amen. Just, this is what the Lord says to the family of Israel. This is what Amos said. Just, as, just the four words Amos put out there. Seek God and live. Guys, seek God and live this morning. Let's just close our eyes. I love you, Lord. How great you are, Father. Thank you to come back to the heart for me. This place is the heart for me, Lord. This is, these are the people I got saved through, Lord. This is the church. Before it was even a church, I was a part of it. In a flat, Lord. Just seeing it grow, to grow, to grow, Lord, It's beautiful. I pray for every person in this building. Not just in this room, Lord. In the building whether it's young downstairs or other people in the building. As for me, Lord, the call of my life, I've seemed to fall into circumstances. and Then I look at other people saying they're waiting for the Lord to tell them how to go. That didn't really happen for me, Lord. I kind of fell into circumstance after circumstance after circumstance to grow in you. and I pray that over some of the people in the building's life today, Lord God. They start falling into circumstance. That is God's circumstance. That is God's instance. Well they're waiting sometimes, someone that's waiting and saying, Where's God bringing me? I just pray something happens, at the door opens, but they fall through the circumstance, Lord God, of actually starting to march in that when they don't even realise what's going on and just grow with the circumstance. I pray, Lord, great opportunity, provision, great blessing over this congregation. I pray breakthrough in people's lives. I pray confidence in people's minds of who they are in you. I pray to be renewed. Strengthen and have mind-changing situations happen that are edified by the Spirit in this place, Lord. Lord, we sang it this morning, Lord, as you call us deeper still, as you call us deeper still, as you call us deeper still, we pray that over us today, Lord, the flow of the worship, Lord, Will be a flow of the spirit, which will be a flow of the footsteps of people in this building, Lord. Deeper still, through the crowd, front row C, in Jesus' mighty <coughs> name. Amen and amen. I hand you back to Anne. <laughs> I just say I'm going to hang around here. If anyone needs prayer, I'll be here for a while. Right? Go don't miss the anointing or the opportunity. All right, God bless you. So we appreciate, you. love you. God bless. Amen. Amen. Good work, Harry. Brilliant.